Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Let us stand to our feet and let's talk to the Lord for a bit as we seek his presence tonight and seek his direction for our lives and how we commune with him tonight. So if you'll pray with me and just ask God to help us. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful and we're thankful, Lord Jesus, for you. For you, O God, being our God and for you choosing us and for you, O God, doing all that you do, Lord God, to help us, to make a way for us, to give us direction, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for all of your goodness, all of your mercy, all your grace, your kindness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. There is none like you, O great God. There is none like you. We humble ourselves before you tonight, Lord God. For, Lord, we want to be consumed by your presence. We want to hear from heaven tonight, Lord. We want your voice, Lord God, to be clear in, in our hearts and in our minds, Lord God. We lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily beset us, Lord God. We repent of our sins, Lord God, for, Lord, we have sinned and come short of your glory. Lord, we ask that you be merciful unto us. We ask that you will forgive us, Lord God, for, Lord, we have committed the sins of omission. We have omitted to do the things that you have commanded us that we do, Lord God. And, Lord, we've done some things that you, O oh God, instruct us not to do. And so tonight we have much, Lord God, to repent of. And we repent of our sins of commission, our sins of omission. We ask that you will forgive us, Lord. We ask that you will be merciful again, Lord God. We ask that the blood of Jesus Christ be applied to our life. And that we will be covered again by the blood of Christ. We ask, Almighty God, for this great privilege to be able to be in your presence tonight, to be able to be consumed by your presence, Lord God. We ask tonight, Lord God, that, oh God, the word that we hear tonight will be words that we will, oh God, hold on to, Lord God, for they are words of eternal life, almighty God. Help us tonight, Lord God, that we will not, oh God, allow ourselves to be distracted Allow ourselves, Lord God, to just drift. But, Lord God, that you will help us to have the focus. Oh God, to give our attention, our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit to you, Lord God. That you can have your way and you can do whatsoever you please in us and through us. Father, have your way tonight in this place. Have your way tonight, Lord God, wherever this church have assembled to receive the word of the Lord tonight, to experience your presence, Lord, to receive instructions and direction, Lord God, for their soul. Oh, my God, whatever your will is for our life, it is what we seek you for tonight, Lord God. We want to, Lord Jesus, truly become one with you, Lord God, where we're laboring together with you, Lord God, where, Lord, we're, oh, God, giving back, Oh, God, what you have given unto us, Lord God. Father, help us tonight. Help us, Lord, that this Bible study will make such an impact, will make such a, 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 a 
a challenge in our spirit, Lord God, that, Lord, we will not be the same ever again, Lord God, that something will change in our life, Lord God, and that, Lord Jesus, our traditional norm will not continue to be the same way. But, Lord, somehow the word will move in our hearts so strongly that, Lord, something will change in our life, oh God, for every day from this point on that we will awake to see, oh God, this place called earth, Lord. Help us, almighty God. Will you speak to us, Lord Jesus, that change will come, Lord God. Change will come, Lord God, to us individually, to us collectively that change will come lord that we will never ever be the same again that we will be so convinced so convicted oh god to do the will of god to do whatsoever it takes to be holy to be righteous lord god to be obedient and submitted to the word of god i pray something will happen in us lord god you gave us your spirit oh great god that lord we can be helped because lord Lord, we need your help, Lord God, in order to be submitted. We need your help, Lord God, to be righteous, Lord. We need your help, Lord God, to be holy. We need you, Lord God, to help us, oh God, find our way. We need your God to bring understanding and clarity, oh God, to our lives. We need you, oh God, to, oh, oh Father, move in us. We want permanent, eternal change to take place in our hearts. So Lord, we ask uh, that the Word and the Spirit tonight uh, will do great work inside of us. Uh, that the work, the Word of the and the Spirit of God will do, uh, oh God, mighty things uh, and miraculous things uh, in us, Lord God. Uh, I pray that somebody in this place, uh, that oh God, somebody will heed to the Spirit and the Word uh, and say, God, yes I will! Yes I will! Yes Yes, I will, and give you free course in their life. I want you to have free course in my life. I want you to have free reign in my life. I want you, Lord God, to truly, Lord God, order my steps and lead me in the way that I must go. Lord, I pray tonight that you'll take away the desires that we have, that get us distracted, the desires we have that cause us to sin, the desires we have, Lord God that interfere with our relationship with you. Will you remove those desires? We may be weak and unable to get them out of our lives, but God, will you intervene and remove these things out of our lives that prevent us to be what you call us to be, that prevent us to live the way you want us to live, that prevent us, almighty God, from being the child of God that you want us to be. Will you have your way tonight, Lord God? Will you speak to us tonight, Lord God? I need the Holy Ghost, oh God, to move upon me, to move upon us, that our hearts, Lord God, our minds, oh God, our will, almighty God, will be moved upon by the Holy Ghost, will be moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Place me in the flow of your Spirit and allow me to speak.
speak as your oracle and allow me to move in the spirit realm and allow the people of God to be in the realm of the spirit to receive the word of God with its true essence of what you're trying to do to us in us. Oh God have your way tonight. We give you honor Lord Jesus. We give you honor Lord Jesus and we ask that you have your way oh great God. We ask that you have your way oh great God. Oh God not my might nor by power but by your spirit Lord God. Let it be so in our lives. Let it be so in our lives. Let it be so in our lives. I pray that the gifts of the spirit will operate freely in our service tonight. The gifts of the spirit will operate freely in the people of God tonight. The gifts of the spirit Lord God will just move in our midst and work in us and through us for the glory of the Lord for the will of God to be done. Lord let it be so according to your will. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray in the wonderful and the holy and matchless and heavenly and sovereign name of Jesus. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that's within me. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Oh God, you alone are worthy of the praise, the honor, and all the glory. You are God all by yourself. Besides you, there is no Savior. Besides you, Lord God, there is no Deliverer. Oh, hallelujah. Have your way tonight, Lord. Have your way tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You know... When I wasn't the pastor in the church, and I sat and I listened to the pastor, if I felt like he would say things often that I didn't do, I would fight with all I could to get to the place where I would start doing the things that he's been saying. Because I realized that if he continues to say it, that's what God wanted. And he was just repeating, echoing what God was saying. And I'm going to continue to say to us as a church, as a people, that we need people in the kingdom of God who will serve and not be spectators. Amen. We're in trouble in our world. I look at a lot of uh, ways we do things and technology make us lazy technology makes us lazy 
we love to say now the, 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 the phrase that has become famous, working smarter and, and not harder. Mm-hmm. And so we use that phrase a lot now when we realize we're not, you know, doing physical things. Uh, we want people to think that we're doing a lot of things, but it's just been a smarter way of how we're doing things. When in actuality, we can be doing nothing but saying that we're working smarter and not harder. And so technology has made us quite a bit of lackluster and lackadaisical. And we're not doing as good a job as we used to in the past serving. Serving. And we need people who will serve. And we need people who will lead. We need it in the church so we can impact our world. We need it in the church so we can impact the kingdom of God. We need servants. We need leaders in every way. And you have to challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone. Remember I said a few weeks ago, the things that you think about that you know it's a good thing for you to do or be, but you're not or not doing, is because it's going to take you being out of your comfort zone to accomplish it. And so we want to stay in our comfort zone. And as long as we stay in our comfort zone, it's going to be very difficult for us to do anything new. So if we're not serving, if we stay in our comfort zone, we will not serve anymore. If 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 we aren't leading and we stay in our comfort zone, we will never become leaders. So the question you must ask yourself is, am I willing to come out of my comfort zone? Because I will do whatever God wants. Because that's what it really takes. And you've heard me said. That after you truly surrender your life to Christ, I know some of you don't buy it, buy into this, but if you really surrender your life to Christ, you'll understand what I'm saying. And that is when you really surrender to Christ, you don't worry about being embarrassed. I know that a lot of people have a hard time with that, and I don't know if you'll ever be able to do that, but we, we try to protect our territory and protect our reputation after we get saved, and it's what sometimes stop us from being servants. Because if I am going to serve and I make a mistake, it means now people are going to see my mistake. And so if people see my mistake, I'm going to feel ashamed. So you know what's the best way to do that? Let's just play it safe. I won't serve. So that way, nobody will see my mistakes. Just, just saying. But if you really surrender to God, when you make the mistakes, you laugh at yourself. When you make the mistakes, you just, you know, apologize for it. When you make the mistakes, you just ask God to help you be better next time. And you move forward. And you don't let it be any kind of way, be embarrassing. Because 
Before, I'm giving you an example now, moving on to an example. Before I had children, probably the same for some of you, and we saw a mother with her baby, and the baby was crying, it, makes you, it made you frustrated. Oh, this is noisy. Kids, just make a noise. I remember being on uh, flights, flying some police, and the baby just wouldn't stop. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Is this going to be it for the whole flight? And you're frustrated. I remember after having an experience with my last two and their babies. And now I'm on the airplane and I hear babies start crying. I start wondering about the mother. Is she okay? Can I help? Stranger. I wonder if I can do something. I'll even get out of my seat and walk by and try to do something to see if the baby smile with me. Because I want to help her. Because what am I thinking? I understand. Why am I telling you that? Because when you attempt to serve and you get embarrassed or something go wrong, the only people that make any kind of deal out of it is the ones that's not serving. But who wants to worry about the ones that's not doing what God wants them to do? Because the ones that's really serving, they say, don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. Because they understand that they made mistakes, too. And still probably will make some while they're serving. I'm saying all this to say we need people to serve in the kingdom of God because our world need to see godly people and they need to have godly leaders. And the church of the living God need to have godly servants and godly leaders. We just need it in every way because I just see it often where all we want to do is just kind of stay in our zone and hopefully other things and other people will do what we think, but we don't do it. That's not the sermon tonight. And so we move on. Oh, brother Scarlett, let me give you this. So I don't forget. Hallelujah. And hold one of those. So that will tell you the, the folks that we can reach out to, to see if they would be a part of that. We need people that will serve in the kingdom of God. It's very important. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 8, verse number 15. Genesis chapter 8, verse number 15. I have confidence in you, church. It's going to happen one day. I have confidence in you. I understand how the process work, that if we just keep on going, keep on going, sooner or later, something changes. And the good thing is, God knows how to get things done. I just hope you're like me, and you've heard me said this many times. I don't want anything crazy to happen in my life for me to do what God wants me to do. I'd rather do it on my terms, the way God wants me to do it, than God have to do it on his terms to get us to do it. I don't know about you. That's how I feel. I'll rather God tell it to me. And I says, okay, Lord. And I just do it as opposed to me hearing it, hearing it. Don't do it. And then God got to stir some stuff up in my life for it to get done. I don't want that. I don't want him to stir some stuff up. 
You know, if you, if you stir up the wasness, you're going to get stung. Mm-hmm. And so when God stirs stuff up, we're going to suffer some kind of um, pain, some kind of frustration or hurt or whatever when God stirs up. So I'll rather just kind of, you know, what is it, Lord? All right. Just go with that. Because when he, you know, move on us, so we have to do what he wants, it's a lot more painful. All right. Genesis chapter 8, verse number 15. The word of the Lord says, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy family, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Family. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breathe abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Listen, don't let the animals outdo us. Okay, God is saying that they need to go out also and replenish the earth by breathing and not the breathing of air we're talking about and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. That's what that's the instructions for the animals. And they've been doing it since then. <laughs> Just think all the animals today that's in the world, they are uh, um, the, the, the animals from the ark are their forefathers or, and mothers. That, that's where it's coming from, the animals from the ark, because all the other um, ancestry of the animals, they had died in the flood. So it was the ones that was on the ark that when they went off the ark and started, you know, replenishing again, that's how we have what we have today. So they did their job, obviously. And Noah went forth, they, rep- they reproduced according to their kind. So in case you missed it, they reproduced according to their kind and the church of the living God, Christians, we're supposed to reproduce after our kind. So I know we're having children and the world has never been more populated than now. I hear that. But but for us, we need to replenish the earth by by making people of our kind. What does that mean? Christian people. Mm hmm. Verse number 19, every beast, every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creeping them on the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark and Noah build an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21. And the Lord God smelled a sweet savior. And the Lord said in his heart. I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Follow that. He will not again curse the ground for man's sake. All right. Look at it. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. What he's saying essentially is you all will not stop doing evil. So if I do what I did in Genesis, 
again and again, I would just continue. It would never stop because you all will never stop being evil because evil is in your heart. And so I'm not going to destroy it like destroy the earth anymore like that. We'll deal with it another way. For the next few weeks, I will be teaching on the topic, uh, on this topic, back to the beginnings, back to the beginnings. There are a few uh, mentioned in scripture of beginnings that we will visit and we will talk about. And so we will talk about back to the beginnings for the next few weeks. I feel like when we become accustomed or familiar with anything we start taking it for granted by not following the instructions we first started following that made us accustomed or familiar with that thing. And so I feel like we have taken this journey, this walk, the relationship with Christ has taken it as just a familiar thing that we've been accustomed to. The thing I am talking about is our relationship that thing, our relationship with Almighty God, Jesus Christ. I got to tell you, I feel like we have taken our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ for granted. We have become too familiar with him, even though we're not familiar with him, if you know what I mean. We've become too accustomed to him, even though we're really not accustomed to him. And so uh, whether we are Christians or we are casual followers of Jesus Christ or we're religious, whatever it is, I feel like we've taken our relationship with God for granted and we have termed it or we have deemed it uh, all different kind of things and feel like it's okay. I love to talk about the love of God and I've talked about the love of God many times. But I'm careful when I talk about the love of God, because I know that there's many of us that use the love of God as a scapegoat. Uh, we start saying the love of God when we don't want to live right. We start talking about the love of God when we don't want to be obedient. And so I'm careful when I talk about the love of God, because I know God loves us and I know he calls us the apple of his eye and all those things. But we have to be careful that we don't allow God's love to deceive us in how we live our life for him. Because we will begin to live our lives and think that we can just give anything to God. And because he loves us, it's okay. I don't know about you, but I know if you're a good parent, you love your children, but you will not put up with them doing whatever. The other day, my last born got on my nerves and I was ready to just destroy him. And I just sent him to his bed. But not long after that, I walked by his room and he was sleeping. And all I said in my mind was, love that kid, boy. And I just feel like God just brought that to my attention to say, you see that? You wanted to destroy him, but you love him dearly. And it's just something that God wanted me to understand and probably want to share with you so you can understand that it doesn't matter how much God loves you. He's not going to put up with nonsense. Just like me as a parent and hopefully you as a parent will not put up with nonsense from your children. You got to check them and you got to put them in check and you got to do what you got to do when they get out of hand. Don't mean you don't love them. 
Because you, you love them to death. I love my kids to death. But I, every one of them, they know, all four of them, the grown ones, they know. Love them to death. They know they can't call dad and they need dad and dad don't come through for them. They know that. They know that. But they also know dad not playing around either. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to what worked in the beginning for our forefathers that we may learn those things and implement them in our lives. Beginning usually represent the basic and fundamental application. I'll say that again. Beginning usually represent the basic and fundamental application. Anything that you're learning for the first time You don't start off with the hard things. You don't start off with the complicated things. You start out with the basic necessity, the things that you need to start out with. And they're usually the basic fundamental principles that you need to start out with. Amen. And so that's why we're going back to the beginning, because we need to obtain some of or retain or remember some of the basic fundamental principles in our relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. The beginning is fundamental. In order to build successfully, the foundation must be right. The command to leave the ark is given and obeyed. As Noah did not enter, so neither does he leave the ark Without divine direction. Noah received divine direction to enter into the ark before the rain came and, you know, began to flood the earth. And when the ark landed and Noah, it was time for him and his family to leave the ark, he received divine instructions. Remember, he did all that stuff to find out whether the land was now dried, dried up and ready for people to walk on it. And he did his thing to find out, you know, what's going on. But the bottom line is he never left out of that ark until God told him to leave out of that ark. The very first thing Noah did when he exited the ark was build an altar unto the Lord. Then he offered up a sacrificial offering unto the Lord. So if we're going to go back to the beginning and deal with basic principles, basic applications, fundamentals that we need to make sure we have and utilize, then we need to look here. And here it says that Noah received his instructions. Can I say this? When you receive a divine direction from God, you keep on going in the way he tells you to go until he comes back again and further directs you. Maybe we're not receiving direction from God a whole lot, and that's why that's not something that we think about much. I'll give you a good one. If God directed you to This church. You better not move until God directs you further. Since you need me to give you practical, practical stuff. If you can see that it was divine direction from God. Now he uses people 
and however he does it. But if God gave you divine direction to be here, then don't you move. You wait for him to give you. It doesn't matter how it gets. It doesn't matter how it gets. The only time you have a right to decide that I'm moving on my own is when there's something wrong with the head. That's when you have clear instruction from God. If the head is messed up, then you say, all right, God, you're not in it anymore. So, and even then you still want him to give you the direction uh, where you need to go. So sometimes you got to put up with a messed up head for a little bit. <laughs> that was real talk right there. Nobody don't want to listen to that. You in a church and sometimes you might feel like it's not right from the top. You don't just get up and go. You need to hear from God where you're going to go when you get up and go. A lot of times people get up and go and they say, well, you know, I'm like Abraham. I don't know where I'm going, but I got to go. And we make it spiritual. I'm like Abraham. You know, God told Abraham to go and I will show you. And I don't know how that worked because I've never done that. Whenever I got up to go, it was because God told me what to do and where to go. So I don't, I don't know the Abraham feeling. So the very first thing Noah did was he built an altar and sacrifice an offering unto the Lord at that altar. Church, we have to go back as if we are starting over and rebuild or build an altar that we may offer up a sacrificial offering unto the Lord while calling on his name. I feel strongly that the season that we're in, it's given us an opportunity to start over. But in God's eye, starting over isn't really starting over. <laughs> It's in our eyes that it's starting over because what has happened is we have gotten off track and we may have gone in our own way. And what God is trying to do is to get us back in the right place and get us going again in the right direction. And so for us, it's starting over so we can find our way to, as God is leading us. But for God, it is what you need to do so I can do what I'm going to do. Because God is going to do some great things. God is doing some great things. And so he needs for us to come in alignment with him. He needs for us to get into the flow of what he's doing. And so for us, the way we're going to get into that flow is by starting over and going back to the basics and, 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 and begin to do the things that we did probably when we first started for some of us. Because we've gone off track. So we got to go back to the beginning because that's how we're going to make sure we stay on track and go in the way God wants us to go. Let's take a look at the meaning and representation of the biblical altar, the biblical altar. If that's the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark, we need to we need to look into that a little bit, don't you think? If that's the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark, after he survived, him and his family survived the, the flood, the first thing he did was build an altar and offer a sacrifice 
unto the Lord. And so let's look at that. What is the definition of an altar, a biblical definition of biblical altar? It is a place of slaughter, a place of dying. The things that God wants us to do these days, can, can we just accept this and realize this is a fact, this is truth, and we have to challenge ourselves? The things that God wants us to do according to his word is so much more difficult in the way we see it today than any other time. And so when you hear a place of slaughter, a place of dying, man, that just sounds ridiculous to us because sacrifice, denying ourselves, Giving our will over to the Lord is just not the thing that we want to do these days, because these days, more than any other days, you are encouraged to do whatever you want with no limits. And so because that's the time that we're living in, when you hear about the altar, that just sounds like, man, I don't know. God got to accept me just the way that I am because I'm not into that altar stuff. If you really just kind of communicate your true feelings, that's what you would be communicating. Man, God, I hear you. I want to get to heaven and I know you, God Almighty. But man, that's a difficult thing. Uh, and you love us, right? So you understand. So when we hear altar, man, that's tough for us. And and we don't want to broach that subject. And we, we don't seem to want to uh, attempt to to obey those portions of scriptures that says that we must build an altar. And so altar is a place of slaughter, a place of dying, an essential part of service to God. An altar is an essential part of your service to God. If you're going to give service to God, if you're going to serve God, an altar has to be a part of how you will do that. Mm-hmm. An altar is a tool of worship. An altar, the place of sacrifice and worship, a place of giving and not receiving. An altar is a place of giving and not receiving. An altar is a place of sacrifice. A place of sacrifice. Now, there's all different levels of sacrifice. There's all different levels of sacrifice. But you must know what kind of sacrifice you need to present to God. The offering of something of value. So when you build your altar and you go to the altar, whatever you're offering up to the Lord, it must be of value. What does that mean, preacher? It means 
that as you go to God to offer your sacrifice, if you walk away when you offer your sacrifice and, and, and you don't feel like you lost something, then maybe you didn't offer up the right sacrifice. If you got a hundred dollars and you give 50, you might still be all right and don't feel like you lost anything. If you had a hundred dollars and you dropped the whole hundred in the offering and you walk away, you know you did something. You lost something. You didn't lose it, but you know what I'm saying. You walk away with, with, with something that you walk away knowing that what you just did you gave something. Giving 50 and keeping 50, eh, it's a little sacrifice. But I didn't really sacrifice. I gave what I could. Altar. An act of worship. In 2 Samuel 24, 24, the word of the Lord says, and the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer, listen to this, this is very important. Neither will I offer burnt offering unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David is teaching us something here that we should never offer anything and call it sacrifice when it didn't cost us something. So when we go to the altar and we offer up a sacrifice, if it didn't cost us something, we really didn't offer anything up. Now we can call it sacrifice. This is why, I'll give you a good example again. This is why we miss the boat sometimes when I would say, let's do an altar call and you walk forward and you come to the altar and in your mind you feel like, eh, I mean, I understand, but I'm just going to sit right here. That's fine. Again, that attitude might just be God loves me. I'm messing with you, I know, but I'm just trying to help you. So by sitting in your seat or the pews or whatever it is, you are saying, well, God loves me and he understands. He's going to talk to me no matter what. But getting up and coming, tell the truth, psychologically now, it's starting to work on you. They're going to look at me. And what if God really works on me and I start looking, I'm, I start failing and you know, stuff start happening. They're going to look at me even more. And what if I start crying? They're going to look at me even more. And so we don't come. And what you missed was you didn't offer up a sacrifice. So you might not have received anything. And you're probably going to leave the same way you came because you didn't offer up a sacrifice. Because if you come knowing, they're going to look at me. If you come knowing, he might touch me and I might fall out or I might cry or whatever. If you come knowing all that and you still came, it meant that you're saying, God, whatever happens to me and they see it doesn't matter because I'm giving myself to you. 
You see what I mean? And so that's the part that we may have missed when we don't come to the altar. We don't realize that we're offering up a sacrifice when we come. It don't have anything to do with a lot of times we try to intellectually look at things. And God is saying, are you kidding me? Just do what I tell you because you can't figure it out anyway, no matter how smart you are or no matter how long you've been living for me. You can't figure it out. Just do what I tell you. That's really what God is saying sometimes. But we we, we got to weigh it. Look at it. Process it. And God is just shaking his head like, you must be kidding me. So we cannot offer anything to God that costs us nothing and call it a sacrifice. Noah built an altar, as we read earlier, upon the mountain of Ararat, Genesis chapter 8, 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Abram built an altar at Shechem. Mm-hmm. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto, said unto thy seed will I give this land and there build he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Abram again built an altar between Bethel and Ai. Genesis 12 and 8. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. When we establish an altar, it is supposed to be for the purpose of sacrifice and calling on the name of the Lord. When we build an altar, it's supposed to be for sacrifice and calling on the name of the Lord. I know we've heard things talked about the altar at times that we hear it preached about the altar, but I think we missed the part that talks about the sacrifice. We, we usually hear the part about calling on the Lord, but guess what? A lot of times we're trying to call on the Lord without any sacrifice. Uh-huh. The Lord wants Sacrifice. Sacrifices can have different meaning depending on who you are. This is very good right here. Let's look at what a heathen person, an unsaved person, might think a sacrifice means. They might think a sacrifice is a gift to obtain favor. Blessing and favor. That's what they're thinking, that when I offer a sacrifice, it's for me to obtain favor and blessing. Which what you're saying, in essence, is I'm going to offer up something so God can show me his favor. Listen, we can't bribe God. We can't do things for God to show us favor. God loves us and he's shown us favor. He has shown us favor and will continue to show us favor no matter what. None of us deserve the favor of God, but he continues to show us his favor. So going to an altar or approaching God to think, oh, I'm going to sacrifice so much to get his favor and to get his blessing. You're misunderstanding what a sacrifice is. A bribe. 
a heathen or unsaved person is thinking in their mind, I'm going to, you know, bribe or obligate God to, to speak to me. Mm-hmm. We think that we can offer up a sacrifice. This is what a heathen or unsaved person thinks in attempt to avoid justice, penalty or punishment. So we think that we get in trouble. We can offer up some kind of sacrifice where God says, all right, I won't bring no justice on you. All right. I won't give no penalty to you. All right. I won't punish you. God works to earn or merit. I'm sorry. Good works to earn or merit salvation. So sometimes we offer up sacrifice because we want to earn or merit salvation. That's what a person who is unsaved or a person who is just not a child of God. That's the way they offer a sacrifice unto God. Uh huh. A saint of God, a child of God, a, 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 a true believer, a faithful believer, they offer up a sacrifice with a different motive. They offer up a sacrifice with a motive thinking that a sacrifice is a gift in response to the favor and blessing of God. A child of God is supposed to offer up a sacrifice to God because you know he's been good to you, because you know he has been blessing you. And that's why you offer. You've been hearing me say this for a good while that at the very least, I think that this is where I feel like we just underappreciate God. At the very least, we're supposed to respond to God just out of pure, I appreciate you, Lord. And so I'm concerned that as a people, we're not even walking around like we appreciate God, what he has done. We're living like, okay, like we're entitled. And we're not living like, oh, God, I appreciate you. And so for me, the way I think about it, every time we come in the house of God, we shouldn't even hesitate to offer up some praise, to offer up worship, which is sacrifice, to just give him adoration and honor because all I can think of is how good he has been and I don't deserve what he has done and what he continues to do. And just for that alone, I can just respond in appreciation. It's unfortunate though. It seems like we don't appreciate it. And I'm telling you, it's not enough to in your mind or in your heart says, I do appreciate God. It's not enough. It's not enough. The Lord Jesus Christ did not get crucified behind closed doors. The Lord Jesus Christ did not get beat behind closed doors. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't get stripped naked on the cross behind closed doors. The Lord Jesus didn't carry his cross up Golgotha's hill with behind closed doors. Everything that happened to him was in the open. So why we want to do things in our heart? Why we want to do things in our mind? Why we want to keep it kind of concealed? And yeah, 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 you know, I feel, no. You got to realize what God did for you. That he didn't conceal it. He did it outwardly. They whooped him outwardly. They spat upon him outwardly. They crucified him outwardly. Everything they did, it was out so everybody could see. Yeah. Amen. 
And we're worrying about worshiping God and people looking at us. We're worshiping. We're, we're worried about coming to the altar because somebody's going to see us. We're worried about shedding a tear and somebody might catch us shedding a tear. We're worried about whether we should come to church or not come to church. And God has done all of that stuff for us openly. And so saints of God, when they offer up sacrifice, they're saying, I'm expressing homage and dependence on God. It's another thing that we don't we don't we don't uh, just translate in our behavior that we are dependent upon God. Quiet. I'm dependent on God. I'm dependent upon God. We can't live a moment without God. Every breath we take, it's because of his grace. It's because of his goodness. And so we're totally dependent upon God. When we worship him, that's what we're saying. I'm totally dependent upon you. When I worship him, what I'm saying is, I just thank you, God, for all that you've done. When we worship in him, we, we give sacrifice. We're expressing our dependence upon him. We are recognizing his truth, his justice, his penalty, his punishment, his good works. We're, we are recognizing that when we offer up sacrifice unto God. When we don't offer up sacrifice to God... We're not appreciating what he has done. I'm just telling you, if you want, if you keep it in your heart or you keep it in your mind, you're not appreciating God. You're not really offering up a sacrifice unto God because it doesn't cost you anything if you just sit. It doesn't cost you anything if you just maintain. It doesn't cost you anything if you never act out. It doesn't cost you anything. So it means you're, you're, you're not offering up a, a, a sacrifice because a sacrifice gotta cost you something. If we live for God and it costs us nothing, we're not providing a sacrifice worthy for God to say, I am pleased with what you're offering me. We have to offer up something to God that costs us something. Now you understand sometimes, you know, we get into the nuances of, you know, somebody asked me a really good question the other day because it's this young preacher out there. I'm trying to remember Marcus something. If Ethan was here, he'll remember who the guy is. Marcus something. And he was saying that he felt like God was directing him and he was, you know, conveying a message that he felt like God gave, gave him. And somebody sent it to me and told me to listen to it and respond to them. And I responded to them. Uh, but. A lot of it is one of the questions that the guy, one of the things that God, the guy said was people, certain Christian organization and certain people uh, are so staunch in what their standards are that they think if you don't hold to that standard, God can't use you. And he's right. But he also got to be careful in saying that because the Bible says this. And you know them by their fruit. So if you look crazy, but I know that you, I'm watching you, and you are consistent, and you are worshiping, 
and you're living a sacrificial life, then yes, he's right. The problem is, majority of the time, depending on how you present and look, is how you act. Very seldom we look a little different, but we're consistent in the way we serve God. Very seldom. Does it happen? Yes, it does. And when it does, we are wrong if we don't allow those people to use their gifts to give God glory. I agree with that. But you got to be careful sometimes because a lot of times the way how we present ourselves, it's what's in our heart. And so if you keep telling me you love God, if you keep telling me you're a true man of God, a true woman of God, but I never see you pray, you never come to the altar, but you show up every Sunday, but you never pray, you never go to the altar, you don't serve God. Well, you come every Sunday. What am I supposed to say? We got to offer up to God what cost us something. If it is not costing you anything, then it's not good enough for God. And, and what, 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 how, preacher, how can you say that? Man, I can jump so many lessons ahead to show you that. It costs Jesus Christ everything. Everything! I can't even imagine just sitting on my throne, just chilling. Just calling the shots, pulling the strings, everything going according to what I want. And then the day come. After I gave you all all the instructions, lay, lay out all that you need to do. And the day come where I have to come down and rescue you because you want to just clearly, clearly rebel and disobey my orders. And I still got to come rescue you. And it was no regular rescue. It was a rescue where I got to give my life. I give my whole life. So you can be rescued. So when I am saying, according to the word of God, that God is wanting us to give something that's valuable, something that's a real sacrifice to him and he will not accept anything less. He's not using his authority, his power. He's not abusing his authority and his power. He's saying, I'm only asking you to do what I've done. So before we get offended and say, well, I don't know about all that. I don't know if that's the kind of God I want to follow. Understand he's only asking you to do what he's done and not quite what he has done, but in some resemblance of what he's done. And he's saying, that's all I'm asking. I'm not telling you to do something because I'm trying to be mean and make you go through struggles. I'm not trying to do that. Good works. When we present and offer up a sacrifice unto God, it's good works and it glorify God. Let me tell you something. We will receive revelation at the altar. And maybe we're not hearing from God the way we need to hear from God because we've abandoned the altar. We have not built altars and some of us have built altars and kind of ignored them so they've just fallen apart. And so we're not hearing from God the way we need to because we're busy keeping up with this lifestyle of this world. No altar. 
You want revelation from God? You got to build an altar and there offer up a sacrificial offering calling on the name of the Lord. If we want to know things, if we want to commune with God, if we want to hear from God, if we want to have an encounter with God, if we want revelation from God, it's going to happen at the altar. And remember what I say, it's not just prayer. It's not just calling on his name. It's offering up something valuable to him when you're calling on his name. Mm-hmm. Abram built an altar of sacrifice on Mount Moriah when he offered up Isaac. We'll get into that next week. We'll stop where we are right now. And next week we'll talk about Abraham building his altar and offering something valuable right there. And you'll see the theme constantly that if we're going to offer up anything unto God, it's going to have to be valuable. If you just go through the regular norm, you're not offering up any kind of valuable sacrifice unto the Lord, which means you're denying yourselves of a lot of things that God wants to do in you and through you because God does well with a great sacrificial offering. <laughs> I could take that in many different ways. God, 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 God does well with us when we offer up a sacrificial offering unto him. And so it's important that we get to the point of rebuilding or re-establishing an altar in the place where we spend most of our intimate, valuable time. And if you want to be honest, the place or places where you spend your intimate, valuable time is your home and church. Well, it's supposed to be church, not church. I always got, I don't know why I keep clarifying myself. Not church meaning uh, the institution of church because we are the body, we are the church, but meaning when we come to the building, the place where we come to worship. This place is a sacred, intimate place that we come to. This place in our home is probably the most intimate place of our life. Check it out. In your home and when you come to the building where we come together to worship God, those two places are very, very uh, sacred. They're very intimate. And that's where you're supposed to make sure you have an altar where you go there and you begin to seek the Lord, begin to call on his name and offer up a sacrifice that is valuable. We're not offering up sacrifice that are valuable. And just to touch on this, if you're trying to figure out what is valuable, you know what is valuable? Your time is valuable. Your time is valuable. How much of your time are you giving to the Lord? Because sometimes when you get into that place, that altar, the bottom line is we don't always know what to say. We don't always know what to pray. 
But do you get in that place and just sit there and spend that time just saying, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I want to hear from you. Lord, will you speak to me? I don't know what to say because I pray a lot. And sometimes I don't even know what to pray anymore. You know, I sometimes feel like I didn't pray about everything. And so, Lord, I'm here. Will you just speak to my heart? Lord, I'm here. I'm giving you what I think is most valuable to me. And that is me, my time. That's 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 what I can give to you. And 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 we could be using that time to do something else. Like we often do. But if we decide to take that time out to offer it unto the Lord. And for let me say this is where I close up for all of us. Time looks different to God when it begins to be. A sacrifice. I don't want to mess with me. I'm going to mess with you now. It's different for all of us. So you can't brag and say you spend 10 hours today with God when you don't have no job. Don't say that and think you did something. Maybe God wanted you to spend uh, uh, more than that. Or maybe... Maybe you need to spend that 10 hours. You know how we add up that 10 hours? If you had a job, you'd work eight. So don't count eight. So you got you to gotta spend eight hours with the Lord and then some extra to catch up with the people that have a job. I'm just saying, man, I don't, I'm not saying that's what God, I'm just saying you got to look at it that way when you start to try to figure out what's a real sacrifice. What's a real sacrifice? Y'all pray for my goddaughter because I'm going. I, I, this is my second time repeating this story, and now the devil going to try to attack her. So I got to pray for her. But but she made a commitment. I got to talk about because it it's just it's 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 just brave and it's awesome. She have a friend that she wanted to see saved for the longest. Good friend. They grew up together, and she wanted her to be saved. But my goddaughter went to college in New Brunswick, then she went up to Boston and she came back and she stayed here for a little bit and now she's down in Maryland. So she's just all over the place, always traveling. And so she's always on the go. But her good friend finally decided, I want to know more about the Lord. Her good friend, though, worked the night shift. So she's trying to figure out how to get her to church, figure out how to get her to teach her what can't come up with a good time. So her good friend said, well, I get off of work at 530 in the morning on a Sunday. And so usually when I get off work, I can't go to sleep right away. Are you available to teach me a Bible study like virtually at about 630 in the morning? Goddaughter said yes. So she's teaching a Bible study at 630 Sunday morning. Now, just think about that. You know how we get into our rhythm for Sunday. You constant with your, you know, attendance to getting you know your whole thing, you want to get a decent night's sleep on Saturday. A lot of times Sunday, if you didn't get the clothes out, you got to get it out. Or if you got it out and you didn't iron, you got to iron, all of that stuff. So you're just in a different kind of mindset. Her whole Sunday is going to have to be changed up because now she's going to have to get up early, you know, and teach the Bible. And then after that, get ready to go to church. So she's getting ready to do something, just all turning her day upside. That's a sacrifice. Because nobody wants to get up that early on a Sunday morning. You don't want to get up until you have to so you can be fresh when you get to the building. And so I'm trying to give you an idea of when we're thinking something valuable to God. 
When we say we're giving him something value to make him be to make him be pleased with us. You got to think about that. If it's not costing you anything, it's not valuable. I mean, we throw stuff out all the time. That ain't no good. So my wife just threw something out that I bought some days ago. I didn't say anything to her. I don't know what it was a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago. I bought it. It cost me $35, I think, or 30 bucks. Nothing wrong with it. And I saw her threw it out. I'm just like, really? I didn't say one word to her yet. She just heard it for the first time. It was on the street corner the other day. She put it outside. Somebody probably got it. I spent $30 on it. And I guess $30 not that valuable to me. I just kept it moving. I didn't say one word. One word, Izzy. Now, I guarantee you, if it had cost me a lot of money, I would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. You better get my stuff back inside. <laughs> but I guess after two years, I guess that's $30 well spent after two years, right? Probably about three years, two years. So I, I can't cry over $30 after two years. But if I would have paid a lot of money about it, I would have said something. Let's stand. We got to go back to the beginnings, church. I hope I, I this is not this is something I was consumed by this today. Uh, I was consumed by it today, just studying and going through it. And man, it's a whole lot. But the other day during my walk or whatever I was doing, spending time listening and walking, I just feel strongly that's that that's the, 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 the direction that the Lord want us to go in, that. If we're going to be who God wants us to be, we're going to have to go back to our beginnings. We, we, we can't just keep going the way we've been going because we've distorted what we were supposed to be doing. We got it all distorted now. We, we've, we've, we're, we're, we're down the road a bit and we've distorted what God has called us to be and do. And so we have to go back and start this thing over and stay on the right pathway to, to stay on the right track. And the first thing we have to do is go back to the fundamentals. And for many of us, I know for sure, I know clearly, oh God, I had two altars. I had an altar in my basement when I started going to church and an altar at the church. I knew it. I knew. Even when I went to the church building, I had a special place where I prayed. Yep. I had a special place. And when I was at my house, my room down in the basement, that's where I prayed. Those were my two altars. And in my car. Two altars. And, and I, I wouldn't let up. That's where I prayed all the time. That's where I, I commune with God all the time. And I feel like God wants us to go back to the base. That's just my beginnings. All of you had different kind of beginnings. Uh, but what you have heard here tonight, just to start out with, is that you must establish an altar in your life. Probably two altars. One at home and one when you come to the building to worship God. You got to establish a couple altars in your life and don't let up. Don't let up. Approach it. Give God something valuable. Sacrifice yourself. When we come early on a, on a Thursday, what do we come and do? Do we come and have conversations or do we come and say, I'm going to take this next 15 minutes before his church um, Bible study gets started and I'm going to put some real sacrifice and I'm giving God this 15 minutes that I could enjoy. I'm giving it to Jesus. That's what that's where it starts. The places in your in your life where you was taking the time for yourself. Will you start to give that to God? 
Will you start to say, all right, Lord, let me give that time to you. I know I enjoyed this time, but I'm giving this time to you. And that's whether you come to church early, come to the, the, the service early and, and say, let me just give that time to God. It's going to benefit you, too. But that's not why you're doing it. It's for you to commune, for God to meet you, for you to have an experience with God. And so. I pray that we will begin to do that. We will begin to build altars and go to those altars frequently so we can experience God in an intimate way. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the beginning of this series, Lord God, and for allowing us to understand that if we are going to truly be locked in and be in a place with you that, Lord, we can have fellowship with you where, Lord God, we will please you, where we will hear from you, where we will experience your power. Lord, I pray that you will help us to understand the importance of the altar and that God, all of us in this place and all of us that are viewing via live stream, Lord God, will go and begin to establish and build an altar in our home, when we come to the building, even if we're viewing online, Lord God, wherever we're viewing, that that place will become an altar for us. And that, Lord God, we will offer ourselves, Lord God, our time unto you as our valuable offering. And we give that to you, Lord God, for, Lord, we've taken our time to do whatever we want and we've forgotten about you. And Lord, we have not considered the time that you have taken out to leave that holy place and come to this earth and walked with the men and women of that time and taught them and instruct them and loved them and then died for us, Lord God. You gave everything you could. And Lord, I pray that we will understand what we're required to do now as we offer up ourselves, our time. Oh God, where we can build an altar, where we will meet you. I remember, Lord God, in the very beginning of man, when Adam, Lord God, will meet you. He would meet you at that place in the garden. That was his altar. And oh God, from the beginning of time, man has always established an altar. And oh God, we know now that we can't continue to serve you. To live for you, to know you, and not have altars in our lives where we're offering up a sacrificial offering, calling upon your name. Oh my God. Lord, I feel you doing something in our soul, in our spirit, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that every one of us that's hearing under the sound of my voice will respond, receive this word, oh God, with, with, with just hope and goodness and, and, and obedience and faith, oh God, that Lord Jesus, that change can take place in our lives. We're living in the day, we're living in the hour where, Lord God, we must, we must build altars and begin to offer up sacrifice, calling on your name, that your will be done in our lives. That we can use, we can use the authority that you have vested in us, Lord God, to touch our world, to reach the lost. God, have your way, Lord God. We thank you tonight for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, almighty God, 
that even when we go from this place, we will hear your voice. We will hear the words that's been spoken tonight in our hearing. We will hear them, that we will not escape them, Lord God, that we're able to go and build altars, Lord God, that we can give you honor and glory and that we can please you. Lord, we thank you tonight. We give you the praise and the honor. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.